So we are going to talk about the plants we don't want to see and then what we do about it. And this episode is all about quote-unquote invasives and how we can gain control over this never-ending battle. I hope you're looking forward to it. It might be a little bit interesting to hear our back and forth on this one. Hey, friends! Welcome to The Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. All right, so... Invasive. Invasive plants. This was a Lacey's topic idea, so I'm interested to see where this goes. Okay. Invasives. I mean, I think that this conversation pops up more than anything else. Like, how do I deal with fill in the blank right. that's popping up in my garden or my pasture or my orchard or whatever? I mean, there's like a common, and I, I'll tell, yeah. let's like give a few shout outs to our favorite quote unquote invasives. Oh, to our favorite invasives? Favorites. I, by favorites, I mean the, the like most. Most despised or actually yeah, favorite yeah 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 well because currently my favorite invasive is i think is autumn olive well yeah of course because it actually gives you something yeah i think there's a lot of invasives i think you could argue that they all give you something you might do. not know oh there we go we've already started off <laughs> drew was worried he wouldn't have anything to say so i i will say that alan savory has in his holistic management book has this quote that not quote but he mentions in there and it's always stuck with me that there is no such thing as an invasive plant that all plants have been traveling the world since the beginning of time. Mm. And that maybe on our human scale, I'm adding this part now, <laughs> but maybe on our human end quote. Yeah. End quote on our human scale of time. It seems like they have arrived in our, you know, taking over. But ultimately when you look at nature's time, you know, a thousand, nature doesn't mind a thousand years. It's just getting started in mm. some areas. Yeah. So that's, I have a very difficult time. I wonder how Alan Savory feels about global warming. Poison ivy. <laughs> <laughs> Curious. Anyway, just saying. So, I mean, I think that the impact of humans can be pretty detrimental. But I will say that there's another quote that I hear all the time, that a weed is only a plant growing where you don't want it to grow. Right. right? So an invasive is technically just a weed, right? Or is it an invasive weed? What defines <laughs> an invasive weed? I think something that we feel like we can't control, which just brings up this whole language that Drew and I like challenge ourselves to not use of this battle against nature. Because if we're right. working with nature, then we just need to observe. We just need to consider ourselves observers, ob observationists that are keenly interested in how do we work, collaborate with nature yeah. And and that can be really challenging when one of the the like most prevalent counterparts is poison ivy. I was gonna say we have to set the scene or set the stage of our battle with invasives. <laughs> we right outside our door we have this little it's kind of like a woody area. It's got like three cedar trees. Somebody and, originally planted yeah, it as a landscape some, area yeah. over 30 years ago in the yeah. 80s how long have they 40 years ago so they planted some crepe myrtles the 80s they, was 40 they planted, years ago it was 40 <laughs> it, they planted some cedars and yeah. then they planted a bunch of monkey grass in this fun little like rounded 
Pat, like, I imagine it was path. beautiful. Yeah, immaculate is what the immaculate description says. Ten years before we moved in, <laughs> somebody else bought it from that owner, right? That originally made it immaculate. Yeah. The description was immaculate. And then for ten years, it was neglected and yeah. had... What, like 10 Rottweilers peeing in one of the rooms. So, you know, it's not, it wasn't immaculate when we bought it. Right. And it was hard to even find the bones of that. We didn't even know the monkey grass was there for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. But this past winter, we knew the poison ivy was there. So we spent a whole ton of time scraping it all out. We borrowed a friend's tractor, which you know how big of a deal that is. Mm. And we thought we got it all. Then we took and loaded on like tons of wood mulch on top of it. And we were like, it'll never make it Layer, through this. Like, I mean, it was like six, four yeah, to six inches. Four thick. to six inches at least, yeah. maybe a foot thick. <laughs> and then like, you know, spring came and like one or two sprigs of poison pop, ivy popped out. So we, we, were like, we fired it. Yeah, we were with like, the, with the, we got the weed torch out and we were like, all right, we got that. It won't come back now. And then um, I started a small fire. It got a little bit more like it was like kind of like a leak in a dam is the way I would picture it. It was like, boink. And then it's like, boink, 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 boink. <laughs> and well, we, we, we also sprayed it with the vinegar. The vinegar and that browned off the leaves. But now... Drew's like, I got it. It's done. Yeah, that was it. That's it that last time. <laughs> and now it's like a whole poison It's ivy laughing patch. maniacally at us yeah. all the time. Every time we walk past. So, and I have planted... I mean, since we moved in, we planted... I planted some, like, pretty kind of just, like, a it's clearance plants that are, like, border kind of plants right. in there. They're intertwined with poison ivy now yeah, in a really yeah. glorious way. Now, what the one success we have had is that the cows absolutely love it. And when we put them in there on like a high, on a small area so they don't have much other option, they'll eat it all to the ground and then it's gone for a little while. <laughs> Our current operating theory is that the poison ivy is there to heal the ground and then it'll move on. I don't not agree with that. What I'm frustrated by is if I had to pick the property, like, least quality soil on our property, that would not be where I would have thought it would be. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, been nurtured for, like, or, or neglected to the point of where it's just been composting, like, the leaf matter and yeah. things. Like, I wouldn't think Except that would all be. all the water on our property runs through there. And mm. if they were using chemicals, also the cars parked there, so the water runoff from, like, oil leaks and mm. what have you also runs yeah. through I there. I thought about that. So... I think that poison ivy shows up in, in like, chemically distressed areas. Well, that makes sense, too, because of the shoe, our leased property. I imagine that the guy there has probably tried to control the weeds using a number of different pesticides. Different things, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, he didn't. <laughs> yeah. Or herbicides, I should say. He did not control it. Okay, um, what's another invasive? Okay, invasive. So the other one that I really hate seeing I, just, I really just can't find a good reason to see this plant as Tree of Heaven. I really don't like oh, seeing it. Oh, wow. I love Tree of Heaven. It comes up in the worst places. <laughs> what do you hate about it? Like, you don't like it coming up, but like... I mean, I don't like it coming up. Have you up. seen a giant Tree of Heaven tree? I think they're ugly. A big one? I don't know if I've ever seen that big of a one. Like a 75 foot tall. No, I don't think I've ever seen one that big. It really reminded me of, like, a mimosa. So, I also, yeah, no, mimosas are much different in my opinion. Mimosas are more umbrella-y. I don't know. So, something about the Tree of Heaven, I think, it just looks mean to me. It's the Tree of Heaven. I don't know why they named it. It seems like a like a irony. What's like, the other name of it? Atlantis? 
Elianthus. Elianthus. There's a lot of other names. It has. So I'm curious about Tree of Heaven, and I feel like we have to dive into it because it does have flowers. So it's got to be doing something for the pollen. When I see that, I'll no, it doesn't. That's the problem with a lot of these invasives is they aren't attractive to our our native species yet. So now we want other invasive, like, yeah, we like just, more Japanese beetles. That's all we need. So tree of heaven comes from China, so we just need more, like, Chinese uh, I don't insects. know. Maybe something does feed on it, but that's actually one of the problems with invasives is they... So, like, plantain is naturalized in that now the wildlife here actually responds well to it. So at a point, plantain was an invasive. I don't know if it was. But, like, even dandelion, I think, is considered, like, non-natives. Or there's non-natives varieties. Yeah. But... The bees pollinate them. Right. What about bamboo? No, bamboo, no. No what? No, it's dangerous and it takes it's over. It's an invasive? And there's no animals that like will take, will eat it to the point of it fitting into our ecosystem. Because you, there's a guy like grazing cattle on bamboos almost solely. Okay, and but if he left it, silica. if he left it. It wouldn't. It would dominate that landscape without without being controlled by the inputs of the man. It would. You just used a lot of it war would. Names. I know war war words, but it's true. Like it it would win, and I agree with the idea that long term it would balance itself back out again. Yeah. But I do think it would. There was in the scheme of things, there was some difficulty, you'd struggle, you'd have to go through first because like, you're you're changing your environment. Right. It's like bamboo doesn't know that it doesn't. That you don't want it there, but yeah. does that make it evil? I mean, bamboo is just doing what bamboo does. <laughs> also, okay, here's another good one. It does threaten other plants, and it can be. I think. It, I think it would run its course. And we talked about this with kudzu, right? So kudzu has this like majorly negative connotation. That's, that was the plant I was going to. You go were going to go to kudzu next. Okay, so high, high forageability. It's high in protein. It's a legume, so. It's also like nitrogen putting nitrogen fixing. in the soil, uh-huh. and you okay. can put like every kind of every animal, every we kind of animal it. will eat it. Lots we of can eat it. We can make jelly out of it. Yeah, I don't know why people make jelly out of it. But the roots you, are very healthfully beneficial. The, yeah, everything okay, about it is good, except that I'm gonna like you can't control it. You're gonna have fun with this one because <laughs> the next thing I would compare kudzu to. And I actually kind of like kudzu. I think that there are places where you need some goats, but yeah, you know they take care of it. But what about wisteria? Oh, wisteria, because yeah. it grows in very similar yeah. patterns. And we are currently being overtaken by wisteria. <laughs> it's flanking us <laughs> from the backside. Wisteria and kudzu. I, uh, yesterday on the console, the one spot we were at. It had what, like, in my mind, I pictured as, like, a tidal wave of kudzu. Like, it was in these, like, oak trees that were, like, over 100 feet tall. And it was just, like, coming down onto the pasture. Mm. Like, ah. And the guy's like, yeah, no problem. I'm bringing the cows over here. They'll eat it all right back. I was like, I mean, the one guy in this one regenerative group, he said it has, like, a 15 to 20-day recovery period. So he's, like grazing back it in there all and the time. then 15 to 20 days later he's back at it and i mean like, as a farmer yeah, who needs to amazing. feed cattle like yes please yeah wisteria yeah. wisteria the cattle do eat it the problem i'm seeing with it so far the ch- is that it's down or it's all up high there's not much low so when we ran the pigs through there they did eat all the roots mm-hmm. they liked the roots but then like in the spring it just all sprouted up from the roots 
the cows eat those the but grain. They, the green that's at their level, but they it's like passing from tree to tree. So from the, the tree top to the tree top. top yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we need like some tree climbing cows, but that would present <laughs> all kinds of problems. Yeah. So you can see that we don't have it all figured out, nor do we pretend to. It's all just a back and forth, a constant back and forth. But there is space for us to see and learn. And as we continue to, we are seeing that, you know, we've learned, for example, with the poison ivy, that it is a sign that there's no gypsum in the soil, which is a mineral that we can, that soil needs to be fully healthy, right? Like it's a, in, in healthful soil, there's gypsum. So Will the poison ivy transform, photosynthesize, and create gypsum, and eventually it won't grow there anymore? I don't know. Maybe. But I'm going to dump a bag of gypsum in that area and just see what happens. Okay, another one that farmers call invasive is thistles. Mm, Thistles, yeah. Thistles, I mean, thistle I feel like is such an ideal example because if you're going to talk about weeds like you're in a battle, I mean, look at it. It's like the soldier of soldiers. (laughs) It's like armed to the tooth, literally, yeah. and ready to fend off any jerk that's going to step in there and try to screw with the soil. I mean, yeah. it's like the first line of defense. So, like, when you break down a thistle, it is it is a really good pollinator, so native yeah. species do love it. Mm-hmm. Medicinally, for humans, it's really good. Mm-hmm. For the soil, it is, like, one of the only gateways for magnesium mm-hmm. to enter the soil. One of our friends has was showing that, like, Rabbits and birds are will build nest nest in the thistles underneath. Yeah, like in like when you let the thistle like get big, mm-hmm. then they can like they'll have like kind Burrows of a protective little oh, area in it. So it's like good for wildlife. Wow, I think farmers don't like it because when you're walking through your pasture, it'll stab you right through your jeans <laughs> or your car hearts or whatever else you're wearing. It is one of the most magnificent plants. Though. I think it's beautiful. When you yeah. look at thistle, it's just like there's nothing else like it. it it reminds me of a Dr. Seuss plant for yeah. sure. And I was terrified like this spring, honestly, like when we had forest school out there, the spring forest school, remember when we had like and all those yeah. thistles out there and, yeah. and I was like, oh my gosh, this whole pasture is going to become overgrown with thistle and Mr. Lewis is going to be out there going, I told you so. <laughs> but like you look out there now and there's not any, it's gone. It like came up, bloomed, died back. And the cows trampled it, and it's mm. good. We'll see what happens in yeah. the spring. It's usually one of the first things to pop out in the spring, too. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where there's photosynthesizing, there is life, you know? So I think one of the one of the like things that we like to look at when the plant is green, and since thistle is green really quickly early in the spring, it's going to be really great for the soil to revive yeah. it and get it yeah, to... Yeah, bring it up know. sooner. And it has that massive taproot that's yeah. like breaking up Breaking the up soil. the soil, digging way down deep. Yeah. So, yeah, another great... In, and I don't know if thistles... I know people battle thistle a lot. I don't know if it's native. There maybe are native and non-native species, but, but I don't know if it's even on the quote-unquote invasive list. I know it's on the like battle, the weeds list for the sure. Weeds to battle. <laughs> the weeds, the weeds, the weeds, the how do I conquer the weeds. But anyway, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on. Drew talked about autumn olive a little bit. Yeah. Mimosa is on the list for sure, and I know it it's is. like a nemesis for a lot of people, but I think... I think mimosas are beautiful, and I know. So that's that one useful. of the invasive criteria is if you think it's beautiful, if it's beautiful or not. It's okay. Yeah, so, it's just so weird. But wisteria think, is also beautiful. It's so weird that you think tree of heaven. I remember when you planted uh, wisteria in our garden, and I was like, "What are you doing? Like, what? I don't want wisteria just growing." That's probably where it started. It didn't. 
<laughs> that one died immediately. I and I just wanted it was to grow too it fertile. on the arbor. Yeah, it was maybe it just left. It was like to better pastures. It was like, but no, I need something worse. Yeah, no, the wisteria that's in this in this area has clearly it was planted like fifty years ago, and it's now like, woof. So the overall thought process is that invasive species, like, what if we change our mindset that mm-hmm. there is an invasive species that all. All species have a purpose and are serving a purpose. Mm. And a we lot of just times it is exactly it. that thing that we want. Like, so what did humans do when they um, they go in and they want to quote unquote conquer? Look, the first thing they do is they bring their tractor in. Right. And they plow that ground, that soil. And if you have plowed ground, the first thing that the plants want to do is to protect it and to yeah. jump in and to keep it from A, eroding. So yeah. you'll see a lot of these quote unquote invasives like kudzu and and Bermuda grass and and the things that are low growing, like sprawling, yeah. those things will try to take over these areas quickly. They move in fast because their their goal is to keep that soil covered. Um, so when you see that popping up again and again and again in your fields and your pastures, that's why. Like right. it's, it's not it's by design. And then just thinking about mowing, I mean, what grows quickly and can take over that canopy quickly, those are the things that'll start to sprout if you mow that pasture. Well, that's regularly. what we were talking about the other day is crabgrass. Like right now in a lot of our area, there's a drought mm-hmm. and crabgrass is a great grass for when for there's drought a drought. Tolerance. Drought tolerance. But in order to get crabgrass to grow Mm -hmm. you have to disturb the soil a little bit Mm -hmm. so these pastures that are like fescue dominant where there's no access for the soil doesn't have any access to sunlight Mm -hmm. the crabgrass won't grow and instead the fescue sitting there turning brown and the farmers don't have anything to feed their cattle but but beneath it there's no other layer right yeah the fescue is just almost like a carpet across the top of the Mm -hmm. soil but if they a month ago or so would have grazed that fescue all the way to the ground. Numbed it. The taking like 90%, the crabgrass would be there hmm. if they allowed proper recovery time. And you can see that actually out in our pasture where the broilers made a line across our pasture. Mm-hmm. It's knee high crabgrass all the way across hmm. there right now. So it's which the, the cows also love. The cows love it, and it's great for the cows. It's and like a drought tolerant, a very good forage. Yeah. yeah, even though we're very far from a drought at this moment. Right. In time, yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Huh? So yeah, I mean, looking at the qualities of the plant, what it has to offer, I think changes your mindset on a little bit. I'm still looking for the good qualities of tree of heaven and wisteria (laughs) and poison ivy. I'm going to find the tree of heaven good. Poison ivy, I don't know. Yeah, that's a tough one. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's a lot to think about. I'm curious what you all have. What are you battling? Quote unquote. What are your invasives? Quote unquote. What are the things that you're struggling with? And can you find a way to harness the value in it? And make it something that's actually doing something good for your property instead of something that's just like <laughs> causing toil and distress and all the things. And this week, I want to challenge you to change your mindset, change your vocabulary. Shift, shift. Make, shift, a, make shift. a shift to not use the word control and conquer. Conquer, just, battle. Just this week, keep each other accountable. Fight. And try and not use those words. Peace, not war. And see where you get. Thanks for listening, friends.